He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Offscript, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, we're talking about a very special Sunday in the life of the church. Yesterday was All Saints Sunday. We're recording this on Monday. Uh, it also ended with the, the memorial concert for Pat Messick. It was a long day here at the church, but it was pretty incredible. So, uh, I guess we're talking about the sermon today, but you were, what did you think about the concert last night? concert was amazing so i never had the chance to meet pat um but i thought everyone's remarks were so uh touching and um there's you know there was lightness to it and humor and i mean i was just blown away by the talent and the fact that they you know it was a long concert and they had rehearsed the full thing earlier that day i was very i mean my ladies that were in class this morning, I was like, thanks for being here because I would have stayed home because that was a long yeah. day for y'all. I told Jason he wasn't allowed to come into work today. Well, I sent him the, um, I sent him a text last night to say, hey, that was so great. Really proud of you. And said, I hope you get at least like 20 minutes this week uh, uh, for a break or something. And then I sent him the elf one, like got a full 40 minutes <laughs> sleep. Oh, that's funny. Because, <laughs> you know, it's busy, busy time for him. I, I say what though, there I, I don't know how many churches, the list is very, very small that could have pulled off that, that concert last night. I mean, it was just, a, it was just amazing. I mean, you know, Jason is a world-class talent. Right. I mean, literally when it comes to the conducting world and there are just not that many people in the world that could, I told him this last night after the concert, that could have done what he did all day from the start, you know, at a beautiful Hall Saint service mm-hmm. that was relatively complicated and there's a lot of moving parts plus communion. Yep. Uh, then rehearse and then like reset the sanctuary <laughs> for the, essentially to make it a concert venue yeah. <clears throat> and then to, uh, rehearse everyone. And then at the end of that 14 hour day to conduct the Mozart Requiem. I mean, I, <laughs> I know. it's, um, it was really special. The, the choir loft was full. I don't actually, how many, uh, singers were there? hundred? Were there a hundred? I think there were at least a hundred. Um, and then we had a full orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bart came back and did the, uh, played organ for the first half. Um, you know, it, uh, Rena San mm-hmm. just doing that Beethoven concerto Gosh. by memory. Yeah. The whole <laughs> incredible, just incredible start to finish. And, and really, uh, as a, as a preacher, I mean, I've gotten to the, play, the point in my life where, <laughs> so when, when Wendy and I were just going to church before I heard a call to ministry, I wouldn't really sing that much. I, I grew up Catholic. Hymn singing was something the people in the choir loft did, not really the people in the pews. And over the years, you know, as a Methodist preacher, like Reagan's got a beautiful voice. I don't know if you've ever heard, like I, I sit mm-hmm. up there next to her singing. I mean, really, like she's, it's, it's, a, it's quite impressive. Yep. And that, of course I'm up there with all the musicians too, near the choir uh, loft. So I'm just at the point where I sing loud all the time, even if I don't care if I, how I sound. So now when I'm sitting next to Whitney in the pew, she's yeah. like, turn the volume down. People, Good Lord, people can people hear you. Listening. <laughs> so my, my point is that the opening of the concert last night, we all stood up and were led by, I don't know how many, 140 mm-hmm. musicians or how many were right. up there singing, um, praise to the Lord, the almighty, which is one of my favorite hymns. Anyway, it's kind of a Thanksgiving season hymn, all four verses, everyone standing and singing in a full sanctuary that has not been that full really right. since before the pandemic. Um, 
it's just, it made my soul sore. It was awesome. S O A R. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then to the, the music that they selected for the first half was phenomenal. A mm-hmm. couple show tunes, um, his eyes on the sparrow. I mean, just gorgeous stuff. Then the piano concerto was right before mm-hmm. intermission. And then, you know, I get that, um, Latin requiems are not everybody's thing. And, and I have to be in a very particular mood to be able to, to sit through the uh, requiem. But I'd say I was just totally enchanted the entire evening. And, and they, they, we had four soloists. The, the soloist did a terrific job. Of course, Jason was spectacular, but the, the choir's ability to perform that piece. <laughs> I mean, in memory of someone that they all love dearly. Some, mm-hmm. and they, they flew in from all over the country right. to be in the choir loft. It, it was really something special. So to have that be the ending of the day we were celebrating All Saints Sunday was really just, I mean, it's got to be, it's just a high point in the mm-hmm. life of the church, really, truly. Yeah. And I mean, you had a, an extremely long day and to have, and to have that energy and excitement at yeah. the end of the day and yeah, be, yeah. you know, that's, it tells like how incredible the, the program was. Totally. It really, it was quite special. So I, I'm assuming it's available online. It is. Yeah. We streamed it um, on our website and as well to Facebook. So those will live there in perpetuity. Okay. Excellent. So go to the website. If, uh, yeah, on our live stream page, there's past, past, uh, sermons and services and you'll be able to find that on our YouTube page right up at the top on the, the front of our yeah. YouTube. Yeah. If and you I'm, didn't get a chance to experience it live. And people said that watched online, they're like, the sound was incredible. Like they didn't <laughs> right. feel like they missed out. You That's know, a not. really difficult thing to do with yes. so many things happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make it not sound muddled. Mm-hmm. I mean, the team did such a good job. Yeah. Well, so Romans eight twenty eight says God makes all things work for good for those who love him who are called according to his purpose. And I think in the case, in the case of the pandemic, like our ability to do stuff like that online with, uh, particularly with the way that our um, worship team has made the, the visual and audio experience, experience uh, better just means that like two, two years ago, we wouldn't have been able to record that in the same way we did mm-hmm. this year. So it's all good. Yeah. So it was a good day. Are you tired this morning? <laughs> so we, well, so my voice is a little raspy right now because by, by the end of the third sermon, I, I don't know if you've noticed, I, like I was, my voice was shot because mm-hmm. I cannot help but sing Marching to Zion full blast <laughs> three times. Yeah. And it's hard enough not to do For All the Saints. So at 845, I sang For All the Saints, you know, like uh, the hymnal says, lustily and with good courage. That's what Wesley said. <laughs> so I did that for For All the Saints and for Marching to Zion. And I thought, oh, my God, I better pace myself. <laughs> I'm not Got to bring down to... the lust. <laughs> I don't know what. That's weird. Anyway. That's a little weird. I know. Yeah. Lust to leave. Lust uh, to leave. Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a we're... good music director <laughs> tattoo. Right. <laughs> Jason like has it. Scripty font. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Lust to leave and if with Jason good ever... courage and like a big, like a a big cleft note. Lost, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if Jason ever loses a bet, he has to get that tattooed. I'll design it for him. Okay, great. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, uh, yeah. And then I could not help but sing praise the Lord, the almighty, but, and there were so many people on campus who hadn't been here in a while or who, you know, were, um, were used to be part of the congregation, but had moved away or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of conversations that happened all day long. I had a church council meeting right, right. after church. I had Bible study. Before the concert. Right. That's and what so I'm like. I got home and I was out of words. <laughs> and then did you watch the Cowboys game? 
So, uh, okay, uh, fun story on that. So normally, my normal rule is do not tell me anything. Right. Like my Bible study knows not to tell me about any scores. But I don't have the same ground rules for church council because I never schedule against Cowboys games. Mm. So we were walking out of church council. Uh-oh. And one, so he will name, remain unnamed, said uh, – it was the conversation after the meeting. Yeah. And he said, I was, I was going to be irritated at you for scheduling this against the Cowboys game, but then it turned out, then I looked at it and it's 30 to nothing in the fourth. I'm like, okay, I well, I said, well, you saved me three hours. So, well, yeah, I almost texted you to be like, Hey, Just it's been it. a long day, <laughs> but not to give anything away, but maybe skip it because you're going to be mad that you stay up that late. That would have totally have been appropriate. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, and then it was super emotional weekend too, because Navy played Notre Dame, and I know that sounds stupid to be emotional about that, but when I see the midshipmen, you know, I mean, like it was it was a big deal at Notre Dame every year where we hosted them because we were Navy ROTC, and so there would be all these events, you know, and that's one of those longstanding traditions in uh, college football. Well, it's unusual in college football because both teams go to each side's uh, end of the stadium and sing each other's, stand there with each other arm in arm while they're singing the alma mater. Cause mm-hmm. there's such close ties between the Naval Academy and Notre Dame. So there's that, which always makes me weepy, which is silly. I, I think the older I get, the more sentimental I get about that. So it was Veterans Day. Uh, we were honoring our veterans as right. well. I mean, it was just, it was just uh, a great day. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the sermon a little bit more. Yeah. So I have to say it was a very pastoral like comforting sermon. Like I felt like it was really, um, I got like emotional during it and I haven't, and I haven't really lost anyone this past year, but you know, it just, it brings up, like you mentioned, uh, those that you've lost, even if it's been 10, 20 years, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I felt a lot of great comfort. So I thought you did a really, really good job with that. Um, okay. So the history of all saints, when did it, do you know when it originated? I do. Um, Let's see. The earliest reference, I, I, I did this in an earlier in a sermon a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. so I don't just know this off the top of my head. Okay. And you prepared me. So, I did. Yeah. I don't want to. And he's got a computer in front of him. I have a computer so, in front of him. So I don't Google. want anybody to think I'm just <laughs> rattling these details off. Um, so the earliest reference to a feast day devoted to the general memory of all the saints was 373 AD. Yeah. So it's been around Long a while. Ago. Uh, it was in the ninth century that the church in the West began began celebrating All Saints Day. Okay. So the 800s. So it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I will, I have to say, so the term saints, you know, we we yeah. throw it around like, oh, yeah, that yeah, person. This is really important. This, oh, man, that person was a saint. Yeah. Or, so how has the term, did the saint, did the term saint mean something different in the beginning? And how has that changed? Or what do you know about the history of the word saints? So, um, it, I think what, what trips us up sometimes is that it means different things in different traditions. Okay. So I was raised Catholic and to be a saint in the Catholic church is a very specific thing. Right. Like you have to have miracles attributed to you. you like you, it's a big deal. It's a whole, not surprisingly, very legalistic process. <laughs> I mean, the church is a bureaucratic process, maybe a better yeah. way to put that. So, um, but that's not the original in, intent of the word. So when, when Paul talks about saints in the new Testament, mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's basically anyone who consecrates their life to God, who puts okay. their faith in Christ and then kind of dedicates their life to God. So kind of the set, the set apart life. Mm-hmm. Now, different people, obviously, um, like when we think of saints in the more hallowed or, um, maybe Catholic sense, 
like St. Francis. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people who live extraordinary lives in some way, who the church remembers in a special way. But the earliest meaning of the, of the word is the one that I actually prefer, which is everyone who, like saint, the saints in our lives are the people who, who devoted their life to Christ, who then taught us how to devote our life to Christ. Mm. That's what I think of. And it was my first at Arapahoe, actually, is when I, where I learned that distinction. Okay. Um, and so, you know, like All Saints Day, then, is the day we celebrate all those who have gone on. Uh, I mean, yeah, actually, All Saints Day, it means those who have died. Yeah. I mean, we, we have come to ex- understand it as to those who have died. But like when Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, he calls them saints, you know, mm-hmm. and they definitely were not saints. If you read first and second Corinthians, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, saints in the like sinless kind of hallowed mm-hmm. sense. Correct. We often yeah. Use the word. Okay. Interesting. Um, so have there been any all saint services you've been a part of or attended that were particularly moving? Is there one that like stands out to you? Um, so <laughs> there's one that's funny. You want to hear the funny? Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. So the first, so, okay, I talk a lot about how I was raised Catholic and, and I've spent a lot of time in the Orthodox church and the Orthodox church uses beeswax candles, which I love beeswax candles, the, the long tapers mm-hmm. to light like votive candles in front of the icons of saints and stuff. And it gives a, like it gives the sense of smell, which you don't often get in a church, uh, unless you're in a Catholic or an Orthodox church. If you're an Orthodox church, you're, you, know, you smell the incense and all that. Yeah. Not everybody likes it, but it's. I've, I've always been a fan of it. So <laughs> the first day, first year we were in, um, Henrietta, there's a, a man in Henrietta named Chris Shear, who is, who is a saint of the church. Absolutely. Okay. Grew up in that church. His, his, uh, like family helped, help where they were a pioneer family. Like they helped found the Clay County. I mean, they've been gotcha. around for a long time. Okay. And so he's also a member of the order of St. Luke, which is a, um, in the, like for Methodists, it's like this order that people who love worship. Like lay people who are devoted, clergy too, who are devoted to worship. So anything that's about liturgy and tradition and stuff, he's all in on. So I said, okay, here's my idea. Let's light a candle for everybody. Not every church does that, but I like that visual. Mm. And I'm not sure actually where. We didn't do that at Arapahoe. So this, I've been doing this since we were in Henrietta. So you light a candle for everybody who has died that past year that's a member of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... I th- said, it's a small enough, like in there, it's 140 people in worship. So not hard to have everybody come down and like, each family can light a candle themselves and put them in this planter for, um, like for the, their own things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then you get this visual where you have the, the stuff on the altar, the candles on the altar, but then everybody else's, uh, families are represented. Yeah. It's really, really special. We used to do it in Sherman too. <laughs> but the first time we did it, <laughs> the first time we did it in Henrietta, Chris got, uh, these big, they're really pretty decorative planters, but they're made of plastic. Uh-oh. <laughs> he put them, he put sand in there and we had everybody come up and it was, it was really pretty. Uh, but I had invited a guest preacher that, and, <laughs> and the guest preacher I invited was George Topper, who was the longest serving pastor in the history of that church. So okay. I, I was number 62 right. in the history of that church. George had served there seven years as the longest tenure in the history of that church. And, um, he helped, he had built the sanctuary. I mean, he's a great guy, still alive. You know, I think George is still alive, but he's pretty old now. And I'd heard that he was not a concise preacher. Okay. Right. So George Burns says the key to a good sermon is to have a good beginning, a good ending, and to have those two things as close together as possible. George (laughs) did not believe that. (laughs) Okay. So I'm sitting behind George as he's going on and on and on and on. And I see this commotion (laughs) to the 
to the right of me. So yeah, the candles had burned all the way down mm -hmm. and through the plastic oh. and, the, <laughs> and there was sand spilling out on the sanctuary floor. And thankfully in a, in a rural church like that, half the people are volunteer firefighters. It's a volunteer. I mean, there is yeah. a professional firefighter out there. So they, they put out, the, but, I, but George, uh, I swear to God, he kept going. He just <laughs> couldn't care. He's like, it's fine. It's not smoking. He's been retired for 30 years or whatever. He had a lot to, he had a lot to say. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun smell, I'm sure. Plastic, too. It's on fire. Different kind of incense. So we replaced those plastic planters with, uh, I think, the cement ones. Or, okay. Or uh, not cement, but, um, you know, some kind of pottery or whatever. Yeah. And that, uh, that tradition continues, but the, the key there is that people can go up and light their own can a candle for their own loved one. Then you're actually are seeing your own, like it, it's just this visual. It's this mm -hmm. awesome visual of the saints who are with us in spirit. I mean, we know theologically that they're there, mm -hmm. but to have that visual reminder during the service, I think is really, really powerful. Right. And that connection to one another that we all know the meaning of loss and mm -hmm. the grief, you know, it's, it does bring you together. Um, so there's something really special in that too. Yep. Um, okay. So you mentioned the holidays are coming. And so are there any traditions your family carry on that honor those that have gone on? I mean, we always like when we do the prayer before the meal or whatever, we always, uh, either directly or indirectly mention the people who aren't there mm -hmm. always makes people cry. Right. <laughs> Still today. So Gary, my father-in-law has been gone for 10 years and anytime his name comes up, everybody at the table breaks out in tears. So yesterday I mentioned him in the sermon yesterday. Yeah. First two times. You did fine. It was fine. But then Whitney's Jeez. there. Yeah. The third one, because I was talking about the boys too, how they, yeah. you know, they, have, they have these, they're like him in weird ways. And, and Sam was only a year old when he died. So, um, yeah, it was harder when she was sitting there looking at me. Right. So no like dishes or anything that you like food. Oh, um, no. How do you, um, there's a, f a few recipes my grandma had. Hmm. And so we, we carry those on, hmm. uh, Main thing we honor her. Well, my mom always honors her in a different way of like saying, well, um, they didn't turn out that, you know, if it's a roll, it's like they didn't turn out well or they're not that good. That classic, my grandma, grandma <laughs> Bernadine. And we're like, oh, glad that Bernadine's here talking, <laughs> talking herself down, making, making sure she doesn't brag about herself. So yeah, that's the ways we honor. So my mother tried a couple of times to make Mimi's pudding, mm -hmm. icebox banana pudding, never could. And has never tried again. Like yeah. You just can't. You just can't replicate it. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you've said that, I realize I'm going to be making my grandfather's Bernays sauce this year. Well, that's yeah. a big responsibility. That is a big mm -hmm. one. I'm the only other person he taught how to make it. <laughs> I didn't realize that. See, there you go. That's mm -hmm. special. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> I have Which, no. Like, the... What, emotionally, or are you talking about like making this? Physically like, <laughs> making Bernays sauce from scratch is very difficult. I would imagine. So. It deals with 15 egg yolks and like, Whoa. you have to like keep going. Like, or else hope it I don't kill you. Hope I don't kill you <laughs> as you're stirring. It's like half a pound of butter Wait, and so 15 egg yolks. So every year for Christmas, my family does, um, beef tenderloin fondue. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a long meal and we have actually. That's we, for what? For Thanksgiving? For Christmas. Oh, okay. Mm hmm. Yeah, for wow. Christmas. That's awesome. It's the best meal of the year. And with escargot. Wow. Man, mm -hmm. you guys are bougie. That well, is super bougie. Where are you from? <laughs> my grandparents were stationed in Europe. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. And that, so that they picked sense. up a lot of cooking things. Yeah. And so ever since my parents, my mom and uncle were kids, they've done 
fondue and escargot for Christmas mm. once they wow. had to move back to the States. Wow. And my grandmother's a killer cook. So they've been able huh. to, I mean, she can just whip that out. But she taught me how to make it. Wow. Maybe at the staff potluck. Ooh. That's that amazing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to know what my daughter had for Christmas uh, Eve dinner last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was our first Christmas apart. Scott and I mm-hmm. working at different churches. And so I get done with like the nine o'clock service. I'm like, hey, what'd you and Andy? Uh, we had mozzarella sticks. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so, dude, that's all I ate for Christmas Eve. No, listen. It's awesome. It probably, it would, I think it might be fun to do a, a podcast episode like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Eve in the life of a pastor. Mm, that would be neat. If yeah. anyone, I, there might be only other preachers and PKs who would be <laughs> right. interested in it, but it's it's all it's different. It is different. Uh-huh. It, it well, changes that holiday. It made me think of it when you talked about what Easter's like for your family, <laughs> right? Uh huh. With right. the Easter baskets in right. your office. Oh, gosh, yes, the baskets. Yes, yes. Yeah, like that. I I think there's a lot of people who don't realize. Like, well, when do they do that? Mm-hmm. You just don't do them. <laughs> yeah, you just don't. Do it. <laughs> Just don't do the basket, not the downs. We'll have some counseling about that. Yeah. She's going to get so many baskets this year. I know. Why do you have 15 baskets? Because people want to make sure she was taken care of. That's why. That's funny. But yeah, no, that that would be cool. We are going to do the the staff recipes this year, though. So we will look. Maybe I'll do Leon's Bernays sauce. That's awesome. We'll see. I don't even know how to spell that. I'd be like, Brene Brown sauce? I don't... <laughs> Ooh, is that is that truth and honesty sauce? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, love it. Okay. Back on back on track. Okay. So I like that you pointed out um, that life is good here. Mm. That like, and, you know, that God created and uh, we're to enjoy things. Um, can you talk about that, how we can honor and enjoy the life we have now and also prepare for the life to come? Yeah, this is an important part of Christian theology for me. I, I think that um, we try, it is sometimes the case, not always, but it's sometimes the case that we try to talk people out of grief. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and we do it by saying that they're in a better place. Mm-hmm. And that really, honestly, pisses me off sometimes because this place is pretty good. <laughs> like, with your family, with your children, with your mm-hmm. grandkids, with you, like that's really, really good. And what's next is good also, but I don't like to say, I don't, I, I mean, we can make the assessment of whether or not it's better on the other side when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And Paul in first Thessalonians, he doesn't say don't grieve. He says, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Yes. And there's a massive, massive difference between those two things. So, um, I think it's okay. You know, I, when I've done a lot of funerals, a lot of funerals and, um, it is not good advice when people try to make a funeral. that's not sad. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a celebration. Well, of course there's gonna be a celebration, but you got to make space in there for, mm-hmm. for the grief. Cause you're either gonna feel it now or you're gonna feel it later. Yeah. You're going to feel it both. But man, if you can have a moment of like celebration in the context of worship that theologically affirms the good here and the good later then that's, I think that's healthier mm-hmm. theologically. And there, there's plenty of Christian theology, um, not Methodist Christian theology, but theology that says, uh, that, you know, this is just, we're just here. This is just a temporary, like earth is just a temporary thing. Mm-hmm. We're getting to heaven as quick as we can. Mm-hmm. And this, is, this, this life is just a veil of tears and blah, blah, blah. And I just think, I just think that minimizes God's good work here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't think that really does God much justice for what God's created here. Now, there are times for sure when death is a blessing 
if there's been a lot of suffering. Yeah. For, I, I totally get that. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, it's just that kind of, that minimizing of how good it is here. I think that's not healthy theology mm-hmm. and, and frankly, not really Orthodox Christian theology. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people can go pretty far to be like, oh, this, this life is almost like kind of a waste. Like there's not much to it. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so important. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard a sermon once where the person was saying, I think they were talking about like their parent died or something. They're like, but I'm not sad because I'm a Christian. I was like, uh, <laughs> can I, can I add some remarks after this? <laughs> like, right. what are you teaching your people? Like, uh, yeah. Like, so yes. Um, <laughs> I'm a Christian and therefore I'm not without hope. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Christian. Therefore I can celebrate mm-hmm. that's that the person I love that, that's died is, with God. That's yeah. awesome. And we're going to see, we're going to meet each other again. All that, all, that's all really, really good and really, really important, but it shouldn't be used to minimize the loss or minimize the goodness of life here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, okay. The scripture used was Isaiah 25, six through nine. Yep. And I, I know it was the lectionary, yeah. uh, but can you talk about why it was particularly fitting for All Saints Day. <laughs> so I picked it, not realizing that I'd preached on it two years ago. <laughs> I don't <laughs> normally do that. Okay. I, I'm normally, I don't normally do that, but I love that. I love the text. I mean, so um, it's, I mean, there's like a very practical reason. <laughs> so one very practical reason is so much of the calendar year has to be New Testament that anytime you can preach Old Testament as a preacher, you probably should. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're, like if you're going to give Jesus his due, you're going to be in the gospels. Right. And then there's all of the Easter season is in acts. There are no, there are no old Testament texts recommended for the Easter season. And I mean, what I'm talking about between Easter and Pentecost. Yeah. And, uh, obviously Christmas you're, you're in the gospels. So anyway, it's good to choose old Testament whenever you can, but the prophets have a fair amount to say about what comes next. Now, they don't have the Christian lens about like their vision of eternal life. Uh, I mean, I'm shaking my head. They didn't have that. I mean, yeah. you're dead. You're, you're in the grave until judgment day yes. for the, for the prophets. But, um, we can interpret that in our Christian context, which is kind of what I tried to do. Um, and acknowledge, yeah, I mean, judgment day is part of the story. Not anything to fear, by the way, if mm-hmm. you're, if you're in a right relationship with God, there's nothing to fear about judgment day. You've, you've been judged already. That's the, the Christian message, right? I don't know. I was reading Left Behind yesterday <laughs> after service, and I was... No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. There's like 40 books. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm a, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But, I know. Uh, so <laughs> everyone went through that. Well, not everyone. A lot of people went through that phase. I mean, yeah. they were popular. A in lot of a, in our age bracket, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's neither good literature nor good theology. Like the writing sucks and the theology sucks, too. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that on the podcast? Yeah. Okay. It's your opinion. <laughs> no, you I mean, you no, I'm not talking about the word. I'm, yeah. I'm oh. My, so my assessment of it is accurate. Yeah. Oh, yes. You should okay. insert it the trash. The trash. <laughs> Where is it? Trash. Oh, man. <laughs> That's good. That's Thanks. That's the wrong I, I, button. Well, I could use that. That's the That's wrong fine, button. Though. Anytime. Hey, listen. I could use that one tonight. I told you. We got a workshop in the sanctuary. Can you give that to Nick for the oh, yeah. sanctuary? For 845. <laughs> There are times yesterday where I'm like, come on, people. At one of the jokes. Services, what, what, one of the services, they laughed a lot at something, and then the next service, it was like. Yes. What was the, what, what did I say? Oh, oh baby Jesus. Oh, it was baby Jesus yeah. is fine with you playing Christmas music. And, yeah. I mean, either they were thinking, duh, or we don't play Christmas music. Yeah. 
Well, I bet it's been a long time since someone shamed anybody around here for playing Christmas music. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of which, Don had a Christmas tie on last night, which I thought was awesome. He sure yeah. did. Yeah, he did so great. He was laughing that people commented on it. Yeah. I guess his wife said that nobody would notice. I'm really looking forward to his sermon on Sunday. Oh, me, me too. too. Okay, so you also t- started talking about revelation, yeah. that kind of connection. Real fast, how annoyed do you get when people call it revelations? It's, listen, if anyone tells you anything about revelations, just stop listening to them because they've not read it. Yeah. It's one, uno. There's uno revelation mm-hmm. to John, not the gospel writer, John, who lives on Patmos. Yeah. Not the author of the letters, not the disciple, different John. Different John. Yes. But yeah, that drives me. They're like, oh, revelations. I'm like, nope. No. Kind of like we both say Kroger's or Barnes and Nobles. I'm like, it's just, it's Barnes, it's whatever. Okay. Since we're on this, all saints, it's just the pro, it's the, it's the plural word saint. There's no possessive on there. It's no apostrophe at the end. Yeah. And this is me like having a pet peeve with people saying things wrong. Are you trying to make wrong. sure we didn't have any graphics that had the apostrophe on Yeah. There? You saw my brain going, <laughs> uh-huh. no, 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 It's not their day. Oh, the bulletins did? Uh, yes. Oh, well. I can't take credit for that one. I know. <laughs> and I, 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 yeah, I look down during the worship service and I'm a one on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, this is the way it yep. works. And then I'm distracted. Oh, oh, we're singing for all the saints. Also, by the way, <laughs> let me just say this. <laughs> Lighting 40 candles. That, there's a mental discipline. <laughs> yeah. Because a couple times I thought I had lit two. I know. Before you had lit one. I know. And I'm like, oh, no. So there are a couple of times. This is like the second service. Mm-hmm. The first time you're very, you're all dialed in yeah. and then you're kind of on autopilot. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Did I, <laughs> did, did I miss I? somebody's candle? So Am yeah. I going to run out of candles? Because or? sometimes they wouldn't light. And so I was like, exactly. oh, they're a long time. And then you would light one. And then I was like, wait, am I off? Do I light one? Exactly. What do I do? Yes. Yes. Need a little metronome back there. <laughs> well, we have, I mean, Mike's doing his thing and yeah. Matthew was chiming the chime, but I'm glad we didn't get off. Y'all did a great job. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Professionals. Okay. Wait, I think it- did you want to talk about Revelation? Oh, yeah. I didn't finish that. So, <laughs> revelations. Um, <laughs> so the connection of Isaiah yeah. to Revelation. Go go with that. So it's Revelation 21. Okay. And it is, I, I love that text. It's about the new Jerusalem coming down. Another reason, by the way, that life in this world is good because heaven ends up here. You mean it doesn't just burn up here? In the book of Revelation, no. That's not the what Mark Jerusalem Driscoll comes said. comes down to earth. <laughs> Driscoll's you sh- wrong. You sure? New- okay. yeah, I am. He probably calls it revelations. <laughs> probably does. The mm-hmm. New Jerusalem comes down to earth and it says, see, the home of God is among mortals. It's not like yeah. we go flying up to heaven. I mean, so that's revelation. It's a metaphor. I get all that. But but it's an important one because it means that God dwells with us. Mm-hmm. It's not. We're not trying to escape from this world. Mm-hmm. So when in Revelation 21, it's... Uh, See the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God will himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death mm-hmm. will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things that passed away. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So I love that text for, uh, <laughs> I'd love that text for a funeral. You do have to stop though at the appropriate place <laughs> because then it says, I'm in verse five now. And the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You're good there. You're good. And he also said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Mm-hmm. Okay, still tracking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Perfect. Mm-hmm. 
you have to stop there. Okay. <clears throat> Doing a funeral in Henrietta. Uh oh. And it was a, um, it was a tragic death. A woman died of cancer very young, like in her forties, and it was a, I think a niece maybe, like a, a, a teenager who was reading. <laughs> and same thing. I'm sitting behind her, same place as the mm-hmm. burning All Saints candles. <laughs> and uh, I said, it's very important that you stop at verse seven. It was the biggest funeral in, in Henrietta. I mean, there was. It was standing room only. There were people in the choir loft. It was huge. It wasn't even for a person in our church. It was a person in a little country strip road that wasn't big enough. So just stop at verse 7. She did not. Mm-hmm. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the, mor- the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. <laughs> so, okay, okay, okay. That's uh, that's next week's sermon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just you gotta, yeah. You have to choose wisely when you're reading mm-hmm. from Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. For Ooh. sure. Yeah, that's tough. You're like, JK or not? JK. I don't know how to. This is the word of God. Through verse seven. <laughs> Important. Um, so have you always loved Revelation? No, that's a really good question. So, um, New Testament class with Jamie Clark Souls. We got to Revelation right at the time I was doing, um, my, my great aunt, my aunt, great aunt Nina. She had died of, of cancer and I was asked to help with that service. And, um, I wasn't ordained yet, commissioned or anything, but it was, I was in seminary and we were reading Revelation. So, and I read, and I read Revelation through a to- totally different lens. Uh, it's actually, it's a very prophetic book, like in the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, prophets like calling us to better behavior mm-hmm. prophecy um, sense. And there's a really good book, one of the pacifist traditions, I think he's a Mennonite, J. Denny Weaver, he was at Notre Dame, called The Nonviolent Atonement. And it's about how, like, the, the kind of pop understanding of Jesus in Revelation is Jesus as this warrior on a horseback with a sword and he's coming to kill all of God's enemies. But the. The sword is his tongue. It's his, it's his word. It's his preaching. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not his, he's not actually killing people. Like, I mean, it's, it's all metaphor, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, I, I absolutely love revelation. You just have to be really careful with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I do, this was not in the sermon, but last night, the memorial concert for Pat, mm-hmm. you, you gave an intro to the <laughs> Mozart, yeah. the, which I was very, I was like, Oh, I wonder. And then I'm sitting next to Stephanie and I'm just like, you know, I'm ca- caught up in the music. And so I go look up at the screen and I was like, I think it was like burning embers yeah, or something. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I was like, Oh man. Okay. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. You weren't joking. And that was Jason's idea. He said, um, we're going to put the translation up there. It's pretty not Methodist. So do you, sh- I feel like you should theologically couch this in some way. <laughs> That was a smart suggestion. Yeah, from it Jason. was great. Yes, it was but, cool to see the translations, though. I don't know that I've ever listened to it and read the English translation of the. Is yeah. it Latin? It's Latin. Yeah. yeah, and is the very very first. I've got it pulled up. Is the first one the music? Some of the music in Succession, the TV show. Okay. This, oh, I don't remember. They started playing. I was like, oh, I think that's Succession. Is that okay. HBO? Yeah. Day of Wrath. That day shall dissolve the world into embers. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Gets better from there. <laughs> Um, King of terrifying majesty. Mm-hmm. Remember, merciful Jesus, that I am the cause of your just. I mean, that's yeah. Here we go. Oh, tearful that day on which the guilty shall rise from the embers to be judged. 
Yeah. I was like, well, that feels good. <laughs> feels good. And you got to watch Amadeus though, because you, uh, okay. the passion of that music that matches the, what he was feeling. It's, it's really powerful. Okay. So you kind of meant to this. So there's more, what is judgment day really? You kind of talked about that a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, no, because you, I feel like you said something in our conversation about, you said there's nothing to fear about Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what goes, like, why? Why not? Um, and our understanding of it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, so in Revelation, there's this great, uh, there's this great image where, yeah, yeah. So this is in, in uh, right before that passage in 21. Uh, then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it, the earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. And I found the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Like if, if you live a faithful life, if your faith is in Christ, you're in the right book. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's nothing to fear about that. You know what I mean? Um, the whole point of justification is that you're in a right relationship with God. Thanks to your faith in Christ. So you have been judged already and mm-hmm. forgiven. And no, so there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing to fear. Um, now, you know, if you're in a tradition that's very works righteousness, where you're, you're constantly worrying if you're good enough to, for God, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, all that, then there's plenty to fear. And the, and you can hear it in the music for the, the Requiem mm-hmm. because Mozart was not in a good place emotionally. Like that's the power. Gosh, it's so, it's so, so good because the, the text is just the, rec, the standard Requiem mass text. It should, if you, if you uh, are reading that text as one who is assured of your faith in Christ, then there's like, you can, you read it a certain way. And then if you read it as somebody who's unsure of your eternal destiny, you read it a different way. Like you're with different, with different intonations and different emotions and the music itself, you can hear Mozart's anxiety in my opinion, which makes it so powerful. You know mm-hmm. I mean? It's what makes it for the emotional, like the, uh, you, I mean, y'all felt the emotion last night in the, just in the music and the words and the, and the number of notes and the number of voices. And it's so, so powerful. But there's nothing, when Jesus comes back, there's nothing to fear. There's just, I, I'm pretty orthodox in this. I mean, I believe in Judgment Day. I believe in the second coming and all that. Um, and it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny that you're asking this because we've had a whole conversation in my, between the lines, in my study in Genesis, mm-hmm. because the, the Joseph cycle has a lot to do with the concept of providence. And the concept of providence has a lot, brings up a lot of questions about God's sovereignty versus free will. Mm-hmm. So we've had a, for the past couple of weeks, we've had kind of an outline of Calvinist theology and an outline of Methodist theology. So the reason that Methodists do not believe once saved, always saved is not because we don't think we're good enough for God. It's because we believe strongly enough in free will that you can choose to not be in a relationship with God. Okay. Once saved, always saved means, means that you're, it's this whole notion. It's a, it's a Calvinist idea that, uh, you are, that, that grace is irresistible. Um, the, the perseverance of the saints means that once God's chosen you, you can't get away from it. Um, there is uh, limited atonement, um, unconditional election, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. All of which means that if God chooses, are you impressed with that? Mm-hmm. I'm not even a Calvinist. I just, well, look at that. I looked it up last week again because <laughs> I, was, I was stuck on one of them. I yeah. think I was stuck on the U. But Calvin believed in Calvinist theology, if God chooses you, you can't get away from it and you're going to, 
you're going to be chosen no matter what because that's God's desire. Mm-hmm. Cal- Arminianism, Wesleyan theology, is that yes, God, like there, God gives you a measure of grace that you cannot resist. That's pervenient grace. God's always there wooing you. That they, that puts you in the position to choose the good. But then ultimately, it's up to you to make a faith commitment or not. And then once you've made the faith commitment, you can still walk away. You I mean you can still curse God and mm-hmm. and walk away from a relationship with God. But but the point is, once you've chosen the relationship with God, then it's just about growing in your love for God and neighbor. It's not like once you've your your salvation is dependent upon your faith in Christ in classical Christian theology. And I, and I, I do understand this opens up questions about other religions, but that's that's kind of a separate conversation for us from a Christian perspective. Uh, if if our faith is in Christ, then we have been judged and forgiven. That's the whole point of justification. And what the Holy Spirit does within us then is um, takes that that um, relative change and makes it a real change. We grow in our love and faith, our love for God, love for, love for neighbor. And sometimes we do it better than others. Sometimes we're really in tune with God, and sometimes we stop coming to church for a while and kind of forget about God. I mean, that's the, what backsliding is all about. Yeah. And sometimes we don't want to really be nice to our neighbor because they make us mad or they disagree with us on this side or the other, and so we don't do that great. And then sometimes we're really, the world's good, and we're we're very close to our neighbors. And I mean, backsliding is just about kind of this ongoing give and take journey with God. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to fear if your faith is in Christ. Okay, that was good. I think that was a, an important question to to answer. So thank you. I think that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm always happy to to talk about any of that kind of stuff because so and i mean i don't know you've been in this you've been doing this long enough i mean those are the real conversations you have people on their deathbed like are you okay are you and god good Mm -hmm. because people have a lot of anxiety about that and the people and spouses of people who are or parents or whatever Mm -hmm. have they they wonder about the eternal destiny of their loved one who's dying of cancer or, or is struggling with an addiction or overdosed or whatever so i mean these are not these are not academic questions. <laughs> I mean, these are real, I mean, life and death questions, etern- like eternal life and death questions. Yeah. And, um, again, it's probably a, a different podcast. What do we do with other faiths? Mm-hmm. So if you don't, if you don't put your faith in Christ, is there still a place in God's world for you? I would say yes, that, but that's a whole kind of theological conversation. That's a bracketed conversation from those of us who consider ourselves disciples. And my, my pastoral note is if your faith is in Christ, you're going to do it. You're going to, you're going to live out your faith better on some days than others, but you have nothing to fear. Hmm. That's good. Okay. You use the term church triumphant. I know it is. I like it. It was funny because yesterday I was sitting, like, I think it was like the second service. I was like, oh, I wonder what questions I'm going to do for this podcast. I don't know. How am I going to make this fill the time? It's not like it's important or anything. <laughs> I know. It's not like, one of the reasons people get religious. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> oh, okay. So use the term church triumphant a yeah, few times in your term. sermon. I love that phrase. So where, where does it originate from? Or what is it? Um, like where did, yeah, did you define it? sent me that question, but I didn't have time to look it up. That's fine. <laughs> Just make something up. Uh, Just say it with confidence. It, or, it originated at Notre Dame. Okay. Their, their uh-huh. great win over Army in oh 1948. <laughs> Did Rudy say it? No, that's wrong here, right? I don't know. That's all Rudy's I... a Mormon now. <laughs> true story. Oh, that's true. Okay. All so right. I'll, have to go, I'll, I'll have to look that up. Like church, uni- church triumphant, church universal, communion of saints, All like those are all kind of phrases that we use on All Saints Sunday, uh, more than I use on All Saints Sunday. Yeah. You've heard it before. 
I have. Yeah. But I was just thinking, oh, what does that come from? Like, should I know the reference of it? And so I figured sure you would we, know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they told us in systematics. I bet it's in my credo somewhere. Probably. I'll have to. It's put it off your your glass shelf. Yes, with the I'll light. have to take it out of glass. And, okay. All right. That's a callback to last week's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. we're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to actually ask the question. You ended your sermon repeating the lyrics of mm-hmm. the hymn "Marching Design." Why do you love the lyrics? Why do you love that song so much? So it's going to be at my funeral. So I've got a on my uh, laptop. I've got a folder on the desktop that says "In case of death." Okay. <laughs> and it's got like our. Uh, it's true. It's does true. someone have a password to your computer? Yeah, does I Whitney, need one of those. Whitney, Whitney. Okay, does. all right. And it's got like, um, like if you open it up, it says funeral information. It's got like you know insurance stuff. So you're such a one. <laughs> I, listen, uh, it, in all seriousness, this job, there's a lot of death in this job. Yeah. I mean, I don't really mean like preachers die all the time. You encounter death a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very unsettling for families if they don't know what their loved one wants. Like you sit down with somebody to talk about the funeral and they start getting sometimes self-conscious, sometimes defensive, sometimes flustered. If you say, well, what were some favorite scriptures or some favorite hymns or whatever? And you, I mean, obviously as a pastor, you yeah. back off of those questions if they don't know them. But it's just nice to be able to say, oh, we're here. He wants to close his funeral with marching to Zion. Uh, so anyway, my point is on my, on my funeral thing, it says march, close with marching to Zion because it's this, it's first of all, it's a collective, like we're, we are all marching to Zion. It's not about me, Jesus, and my Bible. This is a journey that we're all on. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else has put us all on that path. That's how I ended the sermon. And we're all going to get there <laughs> um, because we're all kind of working towards the same end. And it's this real, I mean, especially if people, if you're with a group that really knows how to sing it, like that really feels it. Mm-hmm. Like if it's in a an annual conference or whatever, um, that's always my standard. I went to a, a, the Festival of Homiletics. I think I may have mentioned this once. That's a national preaching conference. They do it every year, uh, interdenominational, so people from kind of the mainline denominations. And we were, uh, I went a few years ago, the year that the Mass won the title. So it was 2011. Also, yep. coincidentally, the year my father-in-law died. And it was in Minneapolis. And the, the, it's always at these big downtown cathedrals, and they rotate them around. So Presbyterian is the... It's the Methodist one. It's the Lutheran one. And it, it, you sing the songs everyone knows. And when you have 1,300 preachers who are coming to learn how to be better preachers sitting in a room listening to this, like, mm-hmm. fantastic organ and somebody who knows how to play it, playing, uh, what's the word, uh, the Mighty Fortress mm-hmm. or <laughs> How Great Thou Art or it's just, it's so, it's so great. It was like, the, it was like to bring this full circle, it was like yesterday when we were all there. Mm-hmm. singing praise to the Lord, the almighty at Pat's thing last night, same kind of thing. So it's the, it's this kind of triumphant. We've had time to be sad. We've had time to talk about him. Here are some funny stories from his life. Here are the scriptures that really the matter, mattered the most to him. And now let's all go out and march to Zion together. Mm. That's why I love that song. That's good. It's a great song. All right. So what words of comfort would you want to leave with people today that are feeling a deep loss? Any resources they look, they need to look into or things they can do? Yeah, I mean, I, the church, I'm all, right? I mean, talk to a pastor if you're, yeah. if you're in, uh, if you're in one of those places, like a place of grief. Yeah. Looking ahead, we do have a blue Christmas service this year, mm-hmm. which is on the longest night of the year. So December 21st to Tuesday this year, I think. Yeah. It's I Tuesday. think so. That's right. Yeah. Cause it's our Advent study is going to be the three Tuesdays and then the fourth one is blue Christmas. 
um, which would be good. Mike Flynn's going to put that together for us. Um, great books. That's a good question. Do you have what? Do you have go-to resources for that? I'm trying to think. There was one I read in seminary. I think it was actually about losing a spouse. Two-part in, intervention. Two-part invention. Yeah, is amazing. Yeah, it's by Madeline Lingle. I feel like there's some Henry Now on ones probably. And then, like, if it's real practical, like if you've lost somebody in the past year and you're connected to the church, chances mm-hmm. are you're getting the the grief pamphlets from mm-hmm. from our care ministries, which were great. You know, my little brother died Christmas Eve last year and of COVID and, um, I got the, I, I'm, it's, it was kind of interesting. I'm, I'm inside baseball, right. Mm-hmm. But I, I was, I, I was on the list. So I get the same mailings that the care ministry folks put together. So those are resources. We also have grief classes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you emailed Mike at cumc.com, he could connect you in a lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah. And I mean, to go off what you said earlier, it's okay to be sad and be hopeful and both and, you know, and so, and don't rush it and don't feel like, you know, grief is not like, okay, check this box. Mm-hmm. Now next week I'll enter into this phase of it. Like it doesn't work that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So, and there's nothing to be like, your faith is not incomplete if you're sad because you lost somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you if you're, if you're having a hard time getting out of it. I mean, that's just, that's the way it, the price of loving someone is having to say goodbye at some point. Mm-hmm. It's worth the price, mm-hmm. but it, there's a price. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how long it's been, like you mentioned in your sermon. Yeah. It doesn't It doesn't matter. Okay. All right. Well, that was a marathon session. <laughs> it was. Ashley, thank you very much. Of this course. may be a uh, part one, part two. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> and this week. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Tell them what's happening this week. 10 a.m. One service in the sanctuary. And that sounded like Elf for a second. I know. So did it. Don's coming. I know know him. (laughs) Oh, why didn't we do that for a promo video? Oh, missed opportunity. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. So there's not going to be a modern service. Mm -hmm. If you get here at 845, you just get the best seat in the house. Mm -hmm. If you're here at 945, you may not get the best seat in the house. If you're here at 11... You'll get to shake his hand on the reception on the way out. Mm-hmm. So come at 10 a.m. Sanctuary. Also, it'll be online. Um, Don's preaching. We have special music again. We have Bishop McKee is going to be here. Um, Todd Harris, who is a, a past associate pastor who is now a district superintendent, is going to be here. Our current district superintendent is going to be here. There's going to be memorabilia all over the building. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some food. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, don't miss the food. The committees work so hard. They work super hard. They work so hard. It's going to be crazy looking in here. It's going to be awesome. We also have cards for Don. Mm -hmm. If people want to leave notes for him Mm -hmm. or make a monetary gift to him, that's appropriate as well. So that's all this week. And I think we're trying to talk him into me interviewing him for a podcast. Yes, I'm really hopeful. we got to think of some good questions to ask him. Oh, I've got. Oh, yeah. Some like deep, deep well of knowledge we had to tap there. Let's talk about a marathon podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And on that note. All right. Well, that's it for this week, y'all. We appreciate you spending some time with us. I uh, hope you had a blessed All Saints Sunday. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Offscript. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. 
like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.